This is the Talent Show, a new podcast series from FT Talent, a hub of innovation from the Financial Times, hosted by under-30s for the under-30s around the world. This first series is in partnership with Bocconi University, a leading higher education institution of business and managerial advancements. I am Virginia Stagni, and this is the guide you need to drive innovation and change. Today, we are focusing on the interesting challenges of being a young entrepreneur by talking with an expert who has worked on innovation projects in companies across Europe and currently mentors student startups trying to build viable business models. This is for any listener who wants to create their own company, wants to know how to finance their projects and learn what it takes to gain a leg up in the startup community. Here is our conversation with Nico Valentigatto, the Operating Director at B4I, Bocconi for Innovation, and a Bocconi alumnus. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Nico. It's a great pleasure to welcome you on The Talent Show. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. You have worked with so many entrepreneurs and especially from the student side, so the early career ones. So I would be uh, very interested to know from your experience uh, what entrepreneurial traits you have seen in these people, in these uh, younger entrepreneurs, and what of these traits can be a real predictors of success. I think the trait can be categorized in two different categories, basically. One, which are traits which would be great regardless of what your job is, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, and others that are explicitly a bit more linked to the fact that you're an entrepreneur. So a lot of these traits are valuable regardless of the role that you occupy and the job you're in. But if you are professional, reliable, transparent, honest, succinct, clear, knowledgeable, and smart, you know, that's going to make a massive difference. And I know it sounds obvious, but it's, it's very hard to find those traits together and with the right balance, mixed also with an element of self-awareness. So are you aware of what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are? And so do you know where you might need help when it comes to, I guess, filling the gaps that you know that you have? And are you open to communicating about the fact that you do have certain gaps that you need help on? Then going back to the uh, maybe the traits that are a bit more linked to being an entrepreneur, obviously you have to be obsessed with execution. You have to be absolutely you know, driven by tasks and getting them done step by step, one after the other, and seeing a business grow. And you have to be absolutely like almost a, a magician in getting things done. And that means a lot of things like bringing people on board. So convincing people that you are a great founder to work with and that you want people to join your team uh, and then to stick with you even through the hard times. And that you've got to convince people to invest in your business, convince people to buy your products and your solution. So you're basically selling the whole time different aspects of your business to different people, but it's always selling and you're always trying to get to that next stage and these things again the right mix make a huge difference and it's hard to find that you're talking about this mix and i'm quite interested about as well another mix that we have seen idolatrized in a certain way from certain movies i'm thinking about the wolf of wall street how do you balance the kind of killer instinct of being a shark with being transparent and nice i think being a shark sounds nasty but what it can also mean is that you're really determined 
But you can also be really determined and humble at the same time, which is an even better mix to have, because it means that you know when you've made a mistake, you're ready to admit it, and you're ready to improve and move on and accept other people's opinions. And you accept the fact that other people might correct you or give you recommendations and suggestions. And that doesn't mean that you're not a shark if you're humble. In fact, being a shark doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you can't be trusted and that all you're thinking about is uh, making money. If what you're thinking about is growing your business in the best possible way, you can still be a shark in doing that. It doesn't mean you have to be a nasty person because nobody likes to work with a nasty person. Adding a little bit of humility to the obsessive research for growth is possible. And that's what I'm getting at here. I totally get what you're saying. Maybe there is here a piece of advice that you can give. Having seen so many early stage startuppers, what has been maybe the common piece of advice at the very beginning of their startup journey that you have seen yourself giving them? I think it's to be self-aware. So know what your strengths are, know what your weaknesses are. Being self-aware is a fantastic and quite a strong and stable starting point to know where you can go and how you can get there uh, and what you need to get there. So not to get big headed and lose track of reality or to think, you know, you're some kind of superhero. Uh, no one really is. And that really helps. So the self-awareness and then to be factual and to track and measure everything that you do so that what you say and what you ask for is based on facts that you can show and that no one can say anything if you just show that those facts are the results that you've reached, the reason for which you're asking for something, the reason for which you have made a certain decision rather than another one. So being obsessed by showing the progression you've made by tracking it and measuring it. When it comes to us support, the financial support, of course, what would you recommend for those seeking financial support to be doing during these um, challenging times, the challenging economy? What is your piece of advice in terms of convincing venture funds to support their ideas? You're right. It's not an easy time. Uh, everyone's saying it. It's not happy at the moment. But that doesn't mean it's not possible to raise funds. What I would say is that never to lose track of the big picture. So the objective isn't to raise funds, it's to build your business. It's to help your business grow and to build a solution, a product or a service that your end users, your customers really will die for and will really want. So that is the why you're an entrepreneur. Sometimes in order to do that, you need to raise funds. So again, let's not forget what the priority is here. It's to build a business, not to raise funds. However, sometimes you need to raise funds to build the business. So I understand that that's difficult. But anyway, to do that, it's a matter of building the relationship and from going for the long run. So it means informing your potential investors of where you are, what progress you're making, talking to investors even before you start fundraising and bringing them on board with what you're doing, making them understand the value that you're bringing to the market and why you as a founder are someone that's worth backing. And that takes time, that takes transparency, that takes great communication of what you're doing, how you're doing it, being clear about it. Again, being transparent, saying, for example, if this month we incurred a problem, we're wrapping our heads around how to solve it. Actually, if you can help us, that would be great. 
you know, never be ashamed of reaching out, asking for people's help, because if they're interested, they will help. And that will make them probably even more engaged uh, with your business and with you as a founder and potentially more likely to invest in you when it, when the time will come. So what I'm saying is to build a relationship from, from afar and keep them informed. And I think this is such an important point that, of course, can be applied to, to startups, but to any of our listeners that are building their career at the early stage. So, like, don't be afraid of asking for help. And um, I have another point here. It's touching again on money, but smart money. Uh, you have been talking about this in the past already uh, with us during the FTX Bocconi Challenge. You say, okay, people should be looking for smart money. It's not just the benefits in terms of, like, finances and balance sheets. What entrepreneurs and startups uh, can get out of uh, VCs uh, and uh, as you were saying, they are allies in terms of benefits. I mean, this is, again, a concept that's been talked about a lot, and I don't think I'll be saying anything new. Before I get into the actual answer, I'll add a small bit, and that is that some entrepreneurs might not necessarily be looking for smart money all the time. Like, sometimes they know what they need, know, know what they want. They just need an investor that doesn't get in the way. Just give me your money. I'll know what to do with it. And if you don't want to be on my board and help me out with some of the operations, that's fine. Some founders can be happy with just the money and not with the smart money. That said, some founders do look for the smart money and they need that. And that means looking for an investor who really understands the business, who has experience in that market, who maybe has made investments in similar companies, so who can bring experience and an improvement in your decision making, the right contacts and the right network. And who's also someone who can challenge you, I guess, almost constantly, because otherwise you won't grow as a founder and you won't be able to make uh, steps in, in the way in which you drive and build and grow your business. Because especially in early stage, the relationship between a VC or an investor and entrepreneur is more than anything else, actually a human relationship, and which goes on for years because uh, seed investments can stay in the portfolio of a VC fund for even up to, say, eight years or so. And that means that for all that time, you might have someone on your board. You know, you have to end up working with sometimes on a daily basis, especially at the early stages of the investment. So you've got to be able to build that relationship of trust. And the investors have to bring a new team member, basically, on board. And that can be very, very challenging. It can be very hard. And if the relationship all of a sudden breaks because, I don't know, trust uh, becomes an issue or you don't feel that this investor is bringing everything that you thought that he or she could bring on board, then you start being disappointed. So it's, it's, it's a human relationship. It really is. I would love to leverage a bit on your experience in different cities, Milano, London, Paris, different cultures and definitely different money available, the magnitude that uh, all these different cities can bring in terms of uh, money pools available for, of course, entrepreneurs. In terms of number of deals, Paris recently has, if I'm not mistaken, actually overtaken London, which means that there's a lot of stuff going on constantly and that France has grown immensely. When I say France, it's, it's pretty much Paris driven, to be honest. But in terms of number of deals and amount invested, I mean, for example, last year in 2021, in France and in Germany as well, there were just over 10 billion euro invested in startups. If we think of Italy, last year it was 1.2, I think, of 1.2 billion. Yes, the percentage growth rate in Italy was really good because it's about 
twice as much. And the forecasts for 2022 are that it'll grow just as much. So it could double again. But still, we're talking about one tenth of what was in France last year and Germany. So if you're talking about magnitude, the amount of cash available in the UK, in France, and is much, much deeper than, than what's available in Italy. However, the trend is that it is growing in Italy, and that's that's good. And in terms of like business culture differences, have you noticed anything that is uh, an interesting point to make here in terms of like the three cities that you have experienced? Maybe, you know, a different way to see uh, the culture of making business that can be, you know, a, a real indicator if it's a good cultural fit for you to move somewhere else uh, from your local economy. Yeah, there are differences. There are differences mostly as far as I've seen, between the UK and the more Latin countries. Bear in mind, I, I grew up in London. I would say that I'm completely at ease with, with working in the UK and in London. France and Italy, which are the two countries that, that I know, I think are extremely similar in terms of work cultures and workplace cultures and even approach to like risk and so on. However, France has evolved a lot over the past eight to 10 years. And I think Italy has a lot to learn from France when it comes to the entrepreneurial support that entrepreneurs can receive and the approach that certain investors have and that VCs have, I think is something that would be great to see in Italy at the moment as well. The thing is that there's far more cash available in France than there is in Italy, although Italy is improving a lot. So the size of funds in France is bigger. So the check sizes are a bit bigger, seed rounds are a bit bigger. There's a bit more um, kind of, I guess, availability in, in France than in Italy right now. I'm going to add this. I just want a very light-hearted point here. Definitely in Silicon Valley, they have a particular way of seeing their fashion. So it's kind of like they can even go with their pajamas to the office, right? Or like uh, they have more of a jeans and uh, T-shirt style. Definitely a bit different, maybe in Italy and France. I would love, again, with a very light-hearted uh, note, so quite a quick one, but what should entrepreneurs in Italy and Europe should be dressing to impress oh that's a hard one i've never actually thought of that to be honest if i meet a very young entrepreneur and he or she really dresses up for the interview like suit and tie or a really really nice dress for the interview for an investment i feel that's slightly out of touch if i have to be very honest it feels like there was there was no need for that you know i mean, I would think you look really smart. Uh, that's really nice. But I would say, you know, let's focus on the business here. Let's, because again, lighthearted comment and prejudice that could be really idiotic. Like, is does this reflect maybe a more old school approach to doing business than what some other founders might be or investors might be looking for? However, that said, this should not become a prejudice. Like, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I don't care what you wear if I'm interviewing you for a, for a, or if we're meeting for an investment. Um, you should wear what you're comfortable with because you can see the opposite as well. You can see people who would be more comfortable in a suit and tie wanting to wear a hoodie or a T-shirt because they think that that's kind of the cool thing to do. But you can see it's kind of odd. Just wear whatever you feel comfortable with. In terms of entrepreneurs and, of course, like uh, preparation to be mentally prepared as a, as a young entrepreneur uh, for the challenge of starting a venture back business, knowing, of course, all the difficulties and the odds of success are typically around just 
10%. How do you mentally prepare yourself? And maybe even how you accept, I don't want to say failure, but the high chances that it's not going to work, even if it got venture backed. This, I think, depends on also the entrepreneur's age, which is a very, very slippery slope because you should not have an age bias when you're uh, deciding you know, who to invest in. What you can see sometimes is that if the entrepreneur is younger, and I don't know what we mean by that age, but let's just say younger than 50 or 40 years of age, then the approach to risk can be very different. Because if this person, let's say, doesn't have a family or hasn't given up God knows what to start a new business, then the I'm going all in, uh, you know, make it or break it attitude will probably be a bit simpler or closer to that stage in life than someone who is older and has maybe more responsibilities. And if it goes if it goes bust, then, whoa, you know, I have a mortgage, I have a family that can make an impact on the approach, on the mental preparation. So maybe to our young listeners that are the audience for this podcast show, this is your moment. And maybe when you are progressing in your life, it's definitely, as Nico was saying here, more uh, more responsibilities and really as well, maybe even other priorities. I wouldn't think about that. I would do what is necessary for the business to grow. And if you firmly believe in what you're doing, then again, because you're factual about the way you make your decisions and so on, even if it, if it all goes downhill, you'll have at least done what you believed in and you will be able to justify what you did and you know learn from it. No, so I, I wouldn't go about running a business with the constant fear of going bust. The crime you commit is not failing. It's not learning from that experience so you can build from it. People who do nothing don't fail. Of course, they don't fail. They're not doing anything. People who do fail are those who are actually trying to do something, right? But then the crime is not the failure itself. It's not learning from it. Um, so as you were just saying, you can build from that and do something better next time. Now, final part of our podcast. The special thing about the talent show is that we are asking our alumni and listeners and early career professionals from all over the world to submit their questions. So we got two questions for you today. So the first question that we have is from Charlotte Gray, that is a recent graduate from a Master's of Science in International Management. And our question for you is the following. Hello, my name is Charlotte. I was a participant in the FT Talent Challenge in 2019. I'm originally from London, but I'm also half French and half Australian. I'm currently working as a junior product manager, but also launched an app called Unimate a couple of years ago. My question to Professor Nico Valenti-Gatto is, we've had the COVID crisis and now rising inflation. What do you think are the biggest challenges facing entrepreneurs right now? And what do you think they can do to mitigate against them? Thank you so much and looking forward to hearing from you. Okay, thanks Charlotte for the question. It is, I mean, a very valid one, also very broad. I would say think of a fundamental need that needs addressing and build the best possible team around you to uh, come up with a solution to that need. Again, it's a very vague answer to a very broad question, but it's extra valid now because investors uh, will be looking for even more solid businesses and and uh, reliable teams to invest in. 
And it's just going back to basics almost, you know, and working really hard on those basics. And the second question for you is from uh, Peng Feige that is working for a venture capital and private equity principles company and is really researching around foresight ventures. And this is a question for you. Hello, my name is Peng Feige. I was a participant of the FTX Balcony Talent Challenge in 2021. I am originally from China and now working in China too. I am currently doing research and investments in Foresight Ventures, a leading Pan-Asia crypto venture capital. Just a summarizing, I hope you this, but that's, that's what I would say. As a startup founder, it is very important to find business partners who are on the same page. What are the most significant characteristics or traits you think I should focus on when looking to collaborate? Thanks and looking forward to hearing from you. Okay, Peng Fei, thanks a lot for the question. I'd like to spend more time on this because it, it is a very va- valid point. The traits and characteristics of a business partner are, okay, are they bringing value to your own business? Are they solving an issue that you've got? Are they accelerating your growth and simplifying your path? And alongside that, do you trust them? Do you see yourself working with them over the mid to long term? Because that's far more valuable than the immediate short-term gains that you can think of. It's, it's, it would waste so much time to have to start again because the relationship doesn't work. A bit like a marriage or... A, a, it's exactly a, a, the same thing. <laughs> so... it's, uh, relationships and business, I mean, it's still people, right? So it's, it's the same thing. <laughs> So thank you so much, Nico, for being with us today. I think we got so many different uh, points that we can uh, take away here. And uh, I can't wait to meet you again for our next challenge. So thank you so much, Nico. Thank you very much, Virginia. It's been a real pleasure. This has been The Talent Show, which is produced by the FT Talent Team, Aya Al-Shihabi, Noor Hafez, and me, Virginia Stani. Our podcast producer is Todd Van Luling. Our editor and sound engineer is Arturo Ochoa. Our video producer is Enrique Zecca. And our social media producer is Letizia Clementi. Our music is by Dennis Kishuk. Check out all of the Talent Show episodes at fttalent.ft.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow FT Talent on socials for updates. Until next time and keep listening.